um, not too important. The important topic is the question at hand today. The question at hand today is devotion to Mary as a model of penance. I was meditating upon what I should talk about today, and I was actually really struggling with trying to find a good topic to discuss. And I was just uh, thinking yesterday, because I was at a funeral for a Dominican sister that I know, uh, Sister Maria Goretti, pray for her soul. And I, while I was sitting there and uh, kneeling in prayer, they were praying the, some of the penitential psalms, we were praying some of the uh, different prayers from the Mass of the Dead, and it just struck me how Our Lady of Sorrows is such the model uh, for our love. And it being Friday, had also done the Sage of the Cross yesterday as well. And these things struck me. So I woke up early this morning and just started reviewing a bunch of information on Our Lady of Sorrows and started to learn about uh, how I could connect this to Our Lady as mother of those sinners and how we should look to her in our repentance. Now, because uh, I, who knows how this talk is going to go, right? It could be terrible, could be great. But so at the very least, you can say that it began well. We'll start with a prayer in Holy Scripture. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary of Clophis and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore had seen his mother and the disciples standing whom he loved, he saith to his mother, Woman, behold thy son. After that he saith to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own. And we'll begin in prayer. We'll pray to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, a prayer written by St. Thomas Aquinas. O most blessed and sweet Virgin Mary, Mother of God, filled with all tenderness, daughter of the Most High King, Lady of the Angels, Mother of all the faithful. On this day and all the days of my life, I entrust to your merciful heart, my body and my soul, all my acts, thoughts, choices, desires, words and deeds, my entire life and death, so that with your assistance all may be ordered to the good, according to the will of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Be to me, my most holy lady, a comforter and an ally against the stratagems and traps of the ancient enemy and of all those who harbor ill intentions against me. From your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, request for me the grace to resist firmly the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and a constant resolve to sin no more to preserve in your service and the service of your beloved Son. My most holy lady, I beseech you to obtain for me true obedience and true humility of heart so that I may recognize myself truly as a sinner, wretched and weak and powerless, without the grace and help of my Creator, and without your holy prayers to do any kind of good work, or even to resist the unrelenting assault of evil. Procure for me also, O most sweet Lady, perpetual purity of mind and body, so that with a pure heart and chaste body I may be strengthened to serve you and your beloved Son. From him obtain for me a spirit of poverty willingly accepted with patience and tranquility of mind, that I will have the strength to sustain the labors and to work for my own salvation and that of my neighbor. Obtain for me as well, O most sweet lady, true charity with which from the depths of my heart I may love your most holy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and after him love you above all other things, and love my neighbor in God and because of God. Thereby may I rejoice in his goodness, sorrow over his evils, despise no one, never just rashly, and never in my heart exalt myself over anyone. Grant, O Queen of Heaven, that ever in my heart I have fear and love alike for your most sweet Son, that I may always give thanks for the many blessings bestowed upon me, not for any of my merits, but by His kindness, and that I may ever make a pure and sincere confession and do true penance for my sins, in order that I might deserve to obtain His mercy and grace. 
I pray also that at the end of my life, mother without compare, gate of heaven and advocate of sinners, will not allow me, your unworthy servant, to stray from the holy Catholic faith, that you will protect me with your great piety and mercy, defend me from the evil spirits, and obtain for me through the blessed and glorious passion of your Son, and through your own intercession, receive in hope the forgiveness of all my sins. When I die in your love and his love, may you direct me into the way of salvation and blessedness. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, it's a little bit of a long prayer, but I think it's important to recognize, one, how great St. Thomas Aquinas is, and how poetic he is, and how spiritual he is, and not just an intellectual. He had a true and real devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, which makes sense because of his angelic purity could only be by the grace of Our Lady. Obviously, it's from the grace of his resistance, the sin of impurity that he was trapped in, but I think that's also important. Now, there's something that I want to connect here. He talked about in this prayer, this idea of penance for our sins, implored by the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, there's an analogy that I want to make, because the title of the talk is True Devotion to Mary as Model of Penance. Now, let's look at the, the natural understanding of penance before we look in the supernatural. So, we recognize that it's very difficult in times to repent worthily. We struggle many times in our lives to try to, when we go to confession, do we really have a true sorrow for our sins? Is that possible? Do we have it? We talked many times during the COVID pandemic, uh, or the alleged uh, as such, the, the idea of a perfect act of contrition. Now, this we've bantered about, people talk about it all the time, and the idea here is very difficult. The idea of having a perfect act of contrition is not something that is quite easy. It's a special grace from God. Now, but at the same time, it's something that is, in fact, available to us. In fact, it is said by many of the commentators, I was reading the catechisms, the, I highly recommend the Tradivox Catechism series, and under the Sacrament of Penance, they talked about how we should try to incite in ourselves a perfect act of contrition before going to confession. This is not necessary for confession, but it is beneficial and it is it is a praiseworthy. All that is required is contrition, imperfect or otherwise. My apologies for sneeze. Try not to. And so the idea here is that we have to have this perfect act of contrition. It's not required, but out of charity, we desire to give God the most perfect act of contrition. But how can we do this? This is very difficult. And so let me implore you with a suggestion. The suggestion here is Our Lady. It's true devotion to Our Lady. Now, Our Lady did not have contrition because she was perfect. So she never needed to have contrition in the sense that we have contrition. Because when we have contrition, we're sorry for our sins. Now, Our Lady, she felt sorrow, but it was not because of her own sins, but it was because of our sins. It is because of the wounds that, in, in, that inflict her most beloved son. I'm going to put an image up here for a second. This is an image of Our Lady of Sorrows. Now, coincidentally, this happens to be a painting my little sister did, my Emily Fonseca. If you look her up on Instagram, you can see some of her artwork. She's an absolutely amazing artist. She's just mind-blowing how good of an artist she is. But this image of Our Lady of Sorrows, I'm going to leave this up for the rest of the talk here. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about Our Lady. And I want to tell you a story. So this story is uh, not a true story. Instead, this is more, consider this more like a parable. I make a distinction because I'm going to give you some true stories later on. Now, let's think about this for a second. Let's say one day 
you were out with some friends and you had maybe three or four drinks. Uh, you maybe it was not too bad. You're a little bit drunk. You're not completely out of your mind, but you know, you had a little too much to drink and you probably shouldn't drive home. So you get in your car and you start driving. You go down the street and you, you know what? I'm going to play some music. You start blaring some music, but music, maybe it's not the most, most holy of music. Maybe it's not the most wholesome of songs. It's very loud, very uh, disturbing of the soul. It's uh, causing agitation of the soul and you're, you're blaring this music. It's going on. And then you start to get a text message and you pull out your phone and you're like, oh, I got to respond to this real quick. You're driving. You're a little bit intoxicated. There's music blaring. You're not paying attention to the road. And you burst through a red light as someone else is crossing. You T-bone that car. And as you T-bone that car, you see the person in that car, a young man, probably about in his mid to late 20s. He looks over to his left and he sees you, makes eye contact with you. And you can see the man getting struck, the glass flying everywhere, cutting through his face. You see it mutilating his body, his body contorting. The car starts crunching in over him and you are perfectly fine. And you are perfectly fine. The car spins, you spin in circles, you're disoriented. All these things, these feelings, these emotions are filling you. You're dizzy. But all you can think of, all you can see is the face of that person and the life you saw just come out of him in right in front of your face and you're fine you're not hurt you might have a little bit of whiplash you have a little bit of a headache a combination of all these different things you would surely have a headache and you get out and you you see what the damage that has done been done the police come and they arrest you you are put in prison you during your trial you see the mother of that son and you realize you find out that son was actually a miracle baby. The son was the child of a mother who had been infertile. She had been infertile well, her whole life, and she prayed and asked God to grant her a child, just one child, grant her her son. And finally, she was gifted with that son. He had grown up a little bit. He had a marriage date set. He would be giving her a grandson, hopefully in the next few years. And you had taken her only son, her beloved son, you had taken him from her. And it strikes you in, in your heart. You stirs in your heart this, this sorrow. This sorrow not only for the life that you took, but in a sense even more so for the mother who survives him and, and weeps for him, for the loss of her son. And you go to prison, and one day you finally get out. And if you have any, any conscience whatsoever... The first action that you would take is that you would go. You would go and find this mother and fall at her feet and beg for her forgiveness. Now, this would be a hard thing to do because you realize that you have wounded such a heart. And now you don't know anything about this woman. You don't know if she could be a good person, she could be a bad person. It doesn't really matter in this sense. All that really matters in this sense is how you have gravely wounded this woman. Now, it must be clear to you what is going on here, right? It must be clear who we are talking about. Who we're talking about here is the Blessed Virgin Mary. But every single aspect here is amplified to an infinite degree because of Our Lady. Because Our Lady is the perfect, immaculate. And because her son is perfect in God himself. And because of this, every aspect of this situation becomes 
so much greater. And so this is something that we can meditate on when we go for confession. Because Our Lady, who is perfect and immaculate, who had her son, who is perfect and wonderful. But not only is this the case, where we can stir in our heart this love for Our Lady and this sorrow for our sins, but also it becomes even greater when you realize that Our Lady is not just the mother of the stranger that we killed. Instead, she is the mother of us and the mother of our brother. For our Lord is our brother, and our Lady is our mother. As we saw in the Gospel of John here, Behold thy mother, and behold thy son. And because we behold our mother, it is even graver of a, of a, of a crime. Now, let me give you another analogy. And this may be more familiar to you and I. I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. This is very familiar to me. I've experienced this firsthand many, many times throughout my life. Have you ever been, have you ever gravely offended your sibling? Yeah, let's just say your brother for this circumstance. Because I'm thinking of my brother. Have you ever gravely offended your brother? I've been in a situation where you probably should have not said something and you did, or you treated him badly in a way that you shouldn't have. Or maybe you destroyed something that belonged to him. Should not have. All these different kinds of situations, fill in the blank as, as you see fit. And then your mother comes to you and she chastises you and she tells you, you need to go and apologize to your brother. And you say, I'm sorry, mom. And she tells you, don't say sorry to me. Say sorry to your brother. Now, this is a wonderful idea, a microcosm of the spiritual life, of what our lady does for us. Now, this is important because we have, there's two aspects here. There's the instinct that we have to apologize to our mother for the sins that we commit against our brother. That is a rightly ordered uh, inclination. We desire to ask forgiveness to our mother because we offended her son. And this is something that should be, is praiseworthy and is rightly so. Now, the mother has the right reaction as well. The mother recognizes that the sin, when it is offended, Justice demands that the apology be directed towards he who was offended most directly. And so he, the mother rightly says, don't say sorry to me, say sorry to your brother. Now, it is quite slightly wrong in the sense that, of course, you should apologize to the mother as well. But the terminus of the apology should be directly given to the one who was, dis was aggrieved. So that's a very important note. Now, let's take this back to confession. Let's take this back here. Our Lady directs us to her son. So when we go to our lady and we apologize to her, she will direct us to the confessional. So let me summarize this in a sense and direct it towards the model of confession, the model of penance. So after we commit a sin, whether it be mortal or venial, uh, hopefully you and I have uh, started to purge mortal sins out of our life completely and we can just move on to the matter of perfection, but it doesn't really matter. If it's mortal or venial, it's the same in this, for this example. After we sin, whether it be mortal or venial, we should immediately repent to our mother and tell her we are sorry for offending her son and our brother. We should apologize and weep for those sins and turn to our mother and say, I am so sorry that I have offended my brother and I have offended your son. Now, our lady, being a good mother, she would gently put our hand, her hand on her shoulder. She will be sorry that you offended her son and your brother. 
but she will direct you to the confessional and say, say sorry now to your brother and to my son. Say sorry to him now, and she will direct you to the confessional. Now you go to confession, you make a good confession. Now this talk isn't about how to make a good confession, but it's worth going over. Uh, confess to your sins in number and in kind, and have a firm purpose of amendment. So make sure you are making an amendment to not do this again. There's much more that we said, and I won't go into it for the purpose of this talk. And when, when we come out of the confessional, yes, we do our penance. Yes, we make our act of contrition. But even more so, let's make an act of contrition to Our Lady as well. And beg for her forgiveness. So coming out of the confessional, let's go to Our Lady. If you're at a church that has a an altar to Our Lady, or a particular image of Our Lady that you, you particularly like, or just go into a pew and maybe pull out your rosary, pull out an image of Our Lady that you have in your missal, and look upon that image and tell Our Lady, I'm so sorry. And fall to your knees in repentance as the drunk driver does to the mother or the son that you killed. And repent to her and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then there's one more story, and this is a true story. In the natural world, there is this there is a woman, I remember a story. There was a woman who her son was murdered. In cold blood, this man shot and killed her son. Her son was a is a child too. And after this child, this man was thrown into prison. He actually wrote to this woman. And he apologized to her for killing her son. And he asked, now this is a grown man. This is a grown man. He asked her to adopt him as her son. Now this woman reportedly uh, cried after this and she struggled with this and she wrote him back and said that she would take him as her son and she had a pseudo uh, adopted son in this man this man who murdered her son her biological son she gave him forgiveness she embraced him took him into her family how many of us could do that if you had a child if you do have a child how many of us could look at someone who murdered our kid and not only forgive them, but welcome them into your home? If that's true in the natural level of this woman who forgave in this natural way, how much more the mother whom we love above all things, the mother who loved her son as God who was God, how much more? And so when we fall to our knees after we get out of the confessional and we repent to Our Lady, she takes us into her home and she looks at us and says, I am beholding my son. So let us be like the prodigal son and not just return to the father, in which we of course must do, but return to our mother as well. Now, I want to tell you a quick story and see if I have time. Yes, I do have time. I tell you one, one more story. I make a couple comments about the story, and then uh, we will conclude. Now, Our Lady, it's important to note that we must not, we must not under any circumstance abuse this relationship with Our Lady, for Our Lady will not be mocked, and Our Lord will not allow her to be mocked. And so if we desire to be evil, then Our Lord will remove that grace, and Our Lady will not be our mother. There's a story who so was told, 
that this man once told Our Lady and said, show thyself a mother. And the virgin answered him, show thyself a son. How can we ask Our Lady to show herself a mother if we do not follow that command and say, I will behold my mother and show myself a son? So do not mock Our Lady. Do not abuse her mercy. Do not abuse the fact that she is the refuge of sinners. Do not abuse it. For Our Lady will turn to you and say, show thyself a son. Now, one way that which we can show ourselves a son is by repentance. It's by asking for, for sorrow. Asking for that grace to go to the confessional. This is very important. Another one day invoked the Divine Mother, calling her Mother of Mercy. But Mary said to him, When you sinners wish me to aid you, you call me Mother of Mercy. And yet by your sins, make me the Mother of Misery and Grief. He is cursed of God that angereth his mother. His mother, that is Mary, remarked, remarks Richard, God curses everyone who afflicts this, his good mother, by his bad life or his willfulness. Now remember, we anguish our lady with our sins. We make her the mother of misery and grief in two senses. In the first sense, in the fact that we wound her most perfect son, our Lord Jesus Christ, but also because she is our mother, when we live in misery and grief, when we live in sin, we make Our Lady that mother of misery and grief because she is still rightfully our mother as those who are baptized. And remember, as it says in the Gospels, or rather in a commentary on the fourth commandment, he who angereth his mother is to be cursed by God. Let us not anger our mother. Let us not make her weep. Instead, let us have devotion to her, true devotion to her. Now, here's the final story that I want to tell. It comes from the, the Glories of Mary. A very beautiful story. If you have not read the Glories of Mary, I highly recommend. The blessed John Eroloto, who through though humility called himself the disciple, relates that there was once a married man who lived in disgrace in the sight of God. His wife, a virtuous woman, not being able to induce him to abandon his vicious courses, entreated to him that at least while he was in so miserable a condition, he would offer this devotion to the mother of God, namely to say a Hail Mary every time he passed before her altar. He accordingly began to practice this devotion one night when he was about to commit a sin. He saw a light and on closer observation perceived that it was a lamp burning before a holy image of the Blessed Virgin, who held the infant Jesus in her arms. He said Hail Mary as usual. But what did he see? He saw the infant covered with wounds and fresh blood flowing from them. Both terrified and moved in his feelings, he remembered that he himself too had wounded his Redeemer by his sins and began to weep. But he observed that the child turned away from him in deep confusion. He had recourse to the Most Holy Virgin, saying, Mother of mercy, thy son rejects me. I can find no advocate more kind and more powerful than thou, who art his mother, my queen. Aid me and pray to him in my behalf. The Divine Mother answered him from that image, You sinners call me Mother of Mercy, but yet you do not cease to make me Mother of Misery, renewing the passion of my son and my Dolores. But because Mary never sends away disconsolate those who cast themselves at her feet, she began to entreat her son that he would pardon that miserable sinner. Jesus continued to show himself unwilling to grant such a pardon. But the Holy Virgin 
placing the infant in the niche, prostrated herself before him, saying, My son, I will not leave thy feet until thou hast pardoned the sinner. My mother, answered Jesus, I can deny thee nothing. Dost thou wish for his pardon? For love of thee, I will pardon him. Let him come kiss my wounds. The sinner approached, weeping bitterly. And as he kissed the wounds of the infant, they were healed. Then Jesus embraced him as a sign of pardon. He changed his conduct, led a holy life, and was ever full of love of the Blessed Virgin, who had attained for him so great a favor. Now let's keep this in mind and remember this three-step process. After we sin, turn to Our Lady and beg her for forgiveness. She will direct you to her son and implore her son that he forgive you. Then go to the confessional, make a worthy confession, have true sorrow for your sins. When you come out of the confessional, turn to Our Lady, give thanks to her for granting you that grace of repentance. Give her thanks for imploring her son to forgive you and weep with sorrow. Fall to her knees and say, I am so sorry for wounding your immaculate heart by piercing your heart with a sword because of my sins against your son. Keep that in mind today and meditate upon that today. Uh, so that way that you can say that at the very least I ended well. Let's close out with Holy Scripture and then a prayer to Our Lady in the last about uh, three minutes we have here. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, Amen. He also took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now thou dost dismiss thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word in peace, because my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou prepared for the face of all peoples, a light to the revelation to the Gentiles, and to the glory of that people Israel. And his father and mother were wondering at those things which were spoken concerning him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and for the resurrection of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be contradicted. And thy own soul a sword shall pierce that out of many hearts thoughts may be revealed. At the cross, her station keeping, stood the mournful mother weeping, close to Jesus to the last. Through her heart, his sorrow sharing, all his bitter anguish bearing, now at length the sword had passed. Oh, how sad and sore distressed was that mother highly blessed of the soul begotten one. Oh, Christ above in torment hangs, she beneath behold the pangs of her dying glorious son. Is there one who would not weep, whelmed in misery so deep, Christ dear mother to behold? Can the human heart refrain from partaking in her pain, in that mother's pain untold? Bruised, arise, cursed, defiled, she beheld her tender child, all with bloody scourges rent. For the sins of his own nation saw him hang in desolation, till his spirit forth he sent. O oh, thou mother, font of love, touch my spirit from above, make my heart with thine accord, make me feel as thou hast felt, make my soul to glow and melt with the love of Christ our Lord. Holy Mother, pierce me through, in my heart each wound renew of my Savior crucified. Let me share with thee his pain, who for all my sins was slain, who for me in torments died, let me mingle tears with thee mourning him who mourned for me all the days that I may live. By the cross with thee to stay, there with thee to weep and pray, is all I ask of thee to give. Virgin of all virgins best, listen to my fond request, let me share thy grief divine, let me to thy last, to my latest breath. In my body bear the death 
of that dying son of thine. Wounded with his every wound, steep my soul till it hath swooned in his very blood away. Be to me, O virgin nigh, lest in flames I burn and die in his awful judgment day. Christ, when thou shalt call me hence, be thy mother my defense, be thy cross my victory. While my body here decays, may my soul thy goodness praise, safe in paradise with thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, just one thought on what you had said there. I just, uh, when you were talking about that, I just immediately went rich behind me and grabbed this book. It's called uh, Devotion to Mary. It's probably too bright. Can't read it. Devotion to Mary by Father Emil Newbert. Um, he has a better book on this, even better than this book. Um, it's called Union with Mary by Father uh, Emil Newbert. I highly recommend it. It was uh, St. Maximilian Colby said that he could sign his name to uh, Newbert and say, this is all my thoughts. Uh, that's very high praise from, from Maximilian Colby. His smaller book, Union um, Devotion to Mary, talks about the same idea of having a union with Mary that is greater and something better than uh, the, just like you said, you were talking about, we're not striving to just get into, into purgatory. We're, we're striving for perfection. And you mentioned Louis de Mumford. But this idea of union with Mary is so very important because, and this sounds a little scandalous to some people, they don't realize, they don't understand, but Maximilian Colby would say, we need to be transubstantiated into Our Lady. And that's kind of a scandalous thing to say. You, How could you use a term like transubstantiated to refer to to human beings and that is a re reference to our lord and the holy eucharist um, but saint maximum colby uses that phrase and what does he mean by it he means our heart should be so conformed to the blessed virgin mary should be so conformed that we feel what she feels that we hurt when she hurts that we love what she loves and if we do that how can we not but be perfect disciples of our of our lord be perfect examples of our Lord, be live a perfect life, and reach eternal blessedness in heaven. Uh, so that's just some thoughts on what you were saying right there. Absolutely, yeah. Well, every day, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 to 9 Eastern, Waterloo Bay Radio Network. You can find me there, Catholic Drive Time. You can uh, tune in at 6 to 8 Central, 7, 8, 7 to 9 Eastern, or follow us on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Catholic Drive Time, and all those platforms. Uh, we're really broadcast daily, Monday through Friday two-hour broadcast on news and culture uh, so if you were interested in that that's more of the topic there or you can follow me or and rather and you can follow me at catholic conversations there i post things more related to piety uh theology philosophy those kind of things some of my talks that i give at other places i uh, record them and put them up in there so if you like what i had to say if you want to see more than that and more in that style catholic conversations is a better place for that um, and then finally, the best place you want to stay in contact with me is by Twitter. I'm on Twitter way too much. Um, but if you tweet me there, I will be uh, more likely to respond. Uh, but I'm also everywhere else on social media. But I have completely abandoned Instagram pretty much because it's all just a cesspool of evilness. But if you happen to be on Instagram, go check out my little sister's art, Emily Fonseca. If you just like type in Emily Fonseca, you should find her. Um, I believe it's just Emily. It might be Emily Fonseca art. Let me see. Yeah, Emily Pontek Art. Yeah, she's a, amazing. She follows the classical uh, tradition for the uh, for the art uh, for art. It's it's abandoned. It's pretty much nobody follows the the realist tradition of art. And she has trying to resurrect this uh, realism because 
uh, this is going to go as way of talking, but I'm just going to condense in 30 seconds. Um, mimesis, this idea of we imitate the reality because God is the ultimate artist and he created all that's around us. He created you and I, he created nature, all these things. And so artists, uh, human beings who are artists should imitate the art of God, which is creation itself. And so this abstract nonsense is, uh, this is saying, Hey, God didn't do a great job at art. I can do better. Uh, whereas we imitate God's art by being, uh, by being in a school of realism.